0: On today's episode of Two Witches, we are going to talk with author and spiritual researcher Kiki Dombrowski. Kiki loves to write and talk about witchcraft, spirit of
1: place, divination, and especially tarot. And I got to recently take one of her tarot classes. I'm Sarah. I do what I want. And I'm Andrea. And I like that. And we are Two Witches. Witches.
0: for joining us for another shot of what we call Brick Mojo.
1: And thanks, Emily Mojo, and to today's guest, the amazing Kiki Dombrowski.
0: Yay! Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hi,
1: thanks for coming.
0: We first got to know Kiki when we all became involved with Liminal Earth, which is an organization started out in the Seattle area by a couple of weirdos that we love named Jeremy and Garrett, and they started out tracking some weirdness on a map in the local area, and it eventually expanded out to the entire world. Sarah and I split what we call the Oregon-Southwest-Washington Corridor, which is pretty
1: convenient since we later ended up with this project. And um, (laughs) Kiki, you are also a Liminal Earth ambassador. What part of the world do you map for?
2: Tennessee beautiful, wonderful, wild Tennessee. <laughs> Very
1: cool. Oh. So you live in Savannah, Georgia?
2: Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too, because I just recently moved from Nashville, Tennessee to Savannah. I just needed some, some ocean energy, I guess.
0: Oh yeah. I bet it's beautiful there. I really am interested in Savannah.
2: Yeah. And I think you would like it too. I know that at one point I was walking down, like down, just downtown Savannah and walking by a haunted cemetery supposedly haunted cemetery and there's all these like really beautifully decorated bricks and I was like oh my god I have to send these (laughs) so I was sending you a picture of the bricks I was like "I, I don't know if it means anything but I just felt like so
0: moved so good
2: yeah and it's a really beautiful you know the downtown area is just absolutely awesome I love the Low Country. It's totally chock full of I say ghost pirates. It's like mm. ghost pirate nation, <laughs> you know. So um, everything here is just warm. It looks haunted. It looks spooky. Mm. It smells fragrant. There's like always this like floral and salty smell. So it's just a really beautiful. Y'all are always welcome. Just come visit anytime. We'll go to the beach,
0: which is on wheels. Yes, yes, sign us up. <laughs> Heck yes. I love watching your travels. I've loved seeing some of your pyramid photos. You've been to Guatemala, you've been to Belize. You're, you're even going to Egypt soon, aren't you? Egypt!
2: Yes, yes. And it's funny too, because we started with Guatemala and Belize and we were in Mexico. And I'm just all about visiting places that are known to be sort of like sacred spiritual zones that when you visit, you have sort of this like profound response to whatever it is there whether it's the majestic beauty of the buildings in front of you or if it's truly like an energetic hot spot yeah and you know so we did all these wonderful travels and i could tell you amazing stories about some of the cool places that we saw but like we literally flew back in from belize maybe a few weeks before the pandemic hit so (laughs) our travel was very very limited so we decided that stepping back into travel our trip should really be a big deal hurrah experience and so we were just like we're doing Egypt that's amazing Yeah, we'll be in Egypt for two weeks, and we're actually, we're going on a tour with an author I really enjoy reading. His name is Freddie Silva, and he's leading the tour, and he's really good at, like, talking about the magic and the symbolism and the mythology, and this building is very unique and very mysterious because X, Y, and Z. And they said, too, that you could bring, like, sacred objects to... um, Charge them up. Charge them up. So, that being said... Y'all need to send anything my way for me to, I I don't know if I could do a whole brick.
0: (laughs) Yeah, something small, yeah. Yes. We have brick pieces.
1: We'll send you some
0: brick pieces.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, which I love too, that like specifically like on the packing checklist, they're like, don't forget to bring sunscreen and a hat and breathable clothing for the desert and bring your sacred objects because you'll want to charge them on the Giza Plateau.
1: Oh my (laughs) god. sign (laughs) me up. Oh, That's amazing. God, you wow. have an extra carry-on just for the charge. right? You're like,
0: this is my magic rock collection. I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it weighs 87 pounds, but you know, I need to drag him to the pyramid. Amazing, that's so incredible. Wow,
2: you'll be there in spirit, and I'll do everything in my power to take videos and try and, that's and
1: awesome. you know
2: allow people to be part of the journey with me. And who knows, maybe someday I'll be able to take people on a on a journey too. Where we can all take a field trip together, right? We can oh, find yeah. some. In there. You know, maybe not as like intensely challenging because it's a lot of work to go to Egypt. Yeah, both time-wise and financially. So, is there something that's even closer? And I think about that a lot too because I think America has so many unusual destinations and sacred spaces yeah. that are very, very powerful, and they're right outside our door. You know, um, that we can go visit too. We're just a little bit extravagant. I have a serious travel issue. <laughs>
0: You know, what? I think we all have a travel bug. That's, yeah. It makes sense that we all ended up with Liminal Earth, because that's kind yes. of the whole thing, right? And I know I personally plan on cranking up my participation. I've always joked that I'm like the worst Liminal Earth ambassador ever, but then agree. the plague came, so it's only partially my fault, okay? Um, I agree. I'm, I'm yeah. guilty also. Guilty. But Jeremy and Garrett are putting together something that they are calling a Liminal Con, which we are all yes. so excited about. <laughs> and i know we're really really sick of a lot of the horrible people that are being booked for paranormal events backing in just on the tales of some good people and it sucks that our con tickets pay for their salaries as well as people that we love
2: if people were just thoughtful like just use some fucking common sense and be nice to people yeah. not everybody is gonna be like you and we're not living in the movie american pie anymore no like You just are not going to get away with this bullshit. Right. Like, yeah. Like be courteous, be kind to people. And just, if somebody says something wrong, like I'm always like, like, dude, like if I need to say something differently or need to be reeducated, just let me know. Like just help me out. Or if I said something that offended, I'm sorry. And to just kind of like say stuff without apologizing and just, you know, puffing up and putting out the peacock feathers. It's like, come on. Like, we all deserve better and we deserve just something away from the paradudes. I just want to take the study away from the paradude yeah, idea. Right. Like, come I at love, me, bro. <laughs> I, I like, love yeah. that.
0: That's what we're yeah. all just trying to do is just get some different voices at the table, get people to think about things differently. And whatever you think about what ghosts or whatever are, if you think they're dead people, then they were dead people. Yeah, they're people with feelings. That means they have families or ancestors or friends or stories, and they deserve respect, just like all of the living humans right. do. Right. And that's the piece that gets lost. Nice. Yeah. So let's maybe go
1: on to um, your 25 plus years of tarot reading. Oh my gosh. 25 Uh. years, Tiki? How did that start?
2: I I love telling this story because it's hysterical. Like when you think of getting introduced to tarot, you think that there's some sort of like mystical experience. Like, you know, I I walked outside on Beltane and looked overhead and there was this crow and I saw a vision of the Ace of Cups and knew I had found my calling. 25 to 30 years ago, it was the 90s. It was good stuff. I was obsessed with a TV show called My So-Called Life.
0: Me too. Yes.
2: (laughs) There was an episode where Angela, yeah, you know, Angela's friend, Rayanne, Rayanne's mother had a deck of tarot cards and gave them to Angela. And literally 13 years old watching this was like, I need a deck of tarot cards. And fortunately my mother was super, um, maybe it's because I didn't play an instrument or a sport. So she was just like, we need to give this girl a hobby. (laughs) I don't know what it was, (laughs) but, but she took me, there was a new age shop in my town and we went down there and the people were so gracious and nice because they wanted to make sure that I did everything in a really good way. Mm-hmm. They were like, let's look at the different tarot decks.
0: Let's sell this girl. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know, it wasn't like me where I walked into Barnes and Noble in Boise, Idaho and picked off a Rider weight deck off the <laughs> shelf and went home. <laughs>
1: well that's okay
0: <laughs> that's,
2: that, that's, that was your discovery path and that's part of the journey you know and it was interesting too because that was the deck that I started with too was and I still use it to this day love it um I collect tarot decks I must have like 30 or 40 tarot decks but I literally just read with the writer waite smith But every now and then I'll pull something from another tarot deck. And, you know, I like to compare and contrast how different artists interpret the imagery and um, find a way to express the meaning of the card through how they illustrate it. But I started so young. And obviously at 13, I wasn't, you know, <laughs> reading for, you know, the public or anything. It took a long time. It took a lot of work. I, you know, even in high school, I remember reading books on tarot, and I had other friends who read tarot too. So it was really a fortunate setup for me.
1: It was social. Mm-hmm.
2: We were the girls that wanted to do light as a feather, stick yeah. as a board.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and guilty.
2: To, yeah, right. We didn't do mash. We literally wanted to know about who we were going to date with tarot cards. Yeah, and so awesome. it was just. We just, we lifted it up. And I was also, you know, very early introduced to witchcraft. And I remember in ninth grade, we had a project. It was called the I Project. And we had to like talk about something that we were really in love with and obsessed with and so i did a book report on the power of the witch by laurie <laughs> Caput. so perfect right like everybody was <laughs> like okay you know like
1: as the world word girl over there with the <laughs> I love listening
2: it. to tori amos and you know just just totally different um so i fell into it early and and just stuck with it took classes was able to work with other people and by my mid-20s i was reading out of a shop hmm. But and at this point now, too, I still read for other people, but I don't even know if I want to call myself a tarot reader anymore. I'm more of a tarot researcher. Like I've gotten to the point where I've just geeked out so hard on the cards that I'm just like, I I could read for people, but the experience isn't going to be me telling you, oh, yeah, this this is when you should make a move and, and get that first date. This is when you're going to get married. This is when you're going to make a lot of money. This is your promotion. Sure, that stuff may come up in the cards, but it's going to be more of like a an even exchange, a dialogue, and an encounter with the symbols in the cards.
0: Very cool. That's why you're here, Kiki. We like that Aww. shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's Aww. it. It's like that is, that is more authentic than... And again, I've talked about this before. I live the weirdest life that I know. Truly, one of the weirdest lives that I know. And yet I am one of the biggest skeptics on the planet. And I have a really hard time with people that'll spend three to $400 to, you know, quote, tell you your future for an hour and drop this super specific information. And then it just doesn't feel like a good exchange for anyone to me.
2: Yeah. And one thing I always try and do when I give a tarot reading is give homework And exercises and things for the client to ask themselves.
1: Which I am the client. Yay! (laughs) I'm doing my homework.
0: Andrea recently took one of Kiki's classes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, it was really
1: really fun. I really enjoyed it. I don't know. It, It just sort of opened up a little bit of my brain and clicked a little bit. And I've been pulling my card every morning and checking it out and looking at the pictures and writing down what I see and... How I think uh, it's meshing together. And it's been pretty spot on every morning.
2: I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And it it is. It's really fascinating when we look back and think about the cards we drew and we're like, ooh, that was real. Yeah. (laughs) They really, there's something about cards. And, you know, obviously, because like I've studied about a lot of divination and I have all different types of divination around, Mm -hmm. you know, but. For me, tarot was my first love. I've just been committed to tarot forever and ever. I feel a really profound, deep connection to tarot. It's really interesting. One time, I met a really cool author who was—I wish I could remember. It was uh, Timothy Wallace Murphy. I hope I got his name right. He was—he was just like an esoteric author, and he was doing book signings because I used to work at Barnes and Noble. And so I bought his book and got a signing and told him I was a tarot reader, and he said, "Oh yeah, tarot. They're like." spiritual flashcards and I was like hmm, yeah. that's interesting and that was almost another almost like step up the spiral staircase into a tarot enlightenment for me mm-hmm. like um It was me recognizing, you know, a lot of people want to sit down and and please do like if people want to get a reading where they sit down and they want to know how am I going to tackle this? What am I going to do about this person, about this job, about this event, about my family, about whatever. Right. I think that's great. But I always tell people, I really invite you to just go one step beyond that and recognize that tarot can be as powerful of a tool as your wand or your athame or your crystal or your brick collection the symbols are sitting right in front of you and you can go down rabbit holes and really have moments of enlightenment and start to see things in a really interesting and spiritual perspective
1: for me for the mornings when i'm pulling my cards the ones i've pulled so far they've been really validating to a lot of things that Sarah and I have talked about and maybe things that I can learn a bit more about myself. Also, kind of leading up to a card this morning that kind of kicked my butt a little bit and it was sort of a nanner nanner on you, you know. You're doing this (laughs) and you should be doing these things because you can. Ah. So it's a little bit affirming for self-confidence. I mean, For me so far, that's kind of what I got this morning. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I got it, I
2: got it, I get it. (laughs) It is, it's really interesting, those, I I call them opportunity cards. It's where we have the opportunity to face something that's challenging Mm -hmm. and make a change or look at it differently so we can improve our outlook or, or attitude or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's important to think about too with tarot is that they don't necessarily have to be melodramatic or scary, or gloomy. Mm -hmm. It's really just a matter of, well, I mean, this is your option. This, you know, the tarot doesn't want you to be SOL. And (laughs) as a reader, you don't want to send a client off feeling panicked. Yeah, Like you want to instill this like inspiration and hope in them and make them think like okay well things are going to be fine i'm just going to look at things differently i'm going to approach it this way instead or oh wow the path i'm on is actually really good and (laughs) so yeah Yeah. i love that That's the
0: thing it's a path and people people forget like okay if you don't like a card pool this you're still in control of your life yeah yes
2: exactly and I say that too if, if I say something that a client doesn't agree with put it on the back burner if that's like my mantra I'm like okay put it on the back burner yeah maybe that's not important to you you could leave it at the door and you could put it on the back burner it's just something that I felt was necessary to share with you but if it doesn't resonate that's okay
1: so this morning I pulled mine I looked at it and I went uh, <laughs> and I went and got a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah and then I came back to it and I'm like all right, okay, I'll just, okay, I, I I, understand, I'm listening, I hear it, I get it, let's go forward.
0: It's like me pulling temperance every time I pull cards for like four months. I just stopped. Uh, yeah. I was like, and then, then it started showing up upside down, and I'm like, oh, yep, we, we sure did, didn't we, right? You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, yep, everything blew. So it's like, you're so sick of it. And you're like, I'm not going to pull cards because I'm going to get temperance every time. (laughs) And with Andrea, she's pulling temper. Here we go. You know what I mean? So I just was like, okay, I'm clearly just in temperance moment right now. Now, then it started showing up reversed.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I'm trying to think of some of the good messages. I'm I'm going to flip through my notebook and look and see if I've got anything good to share with you, because if y'all are getting temperance a lot, the first thing I think about with temperance is that a lot of people are confused by the card. And I find it to be confusing, too. Like, it's just not like you've got death on one side of it. And then you've got the devil on the other side of it. Those are pretty straightforward. And then you've got this kind of like mellow scene sitting in between them. And I always found that interesting too, is that you have the death, which is obviously not a physical death. It's sort of a metaphorical death where you shed the old. And then you have temperance. And it's where where we, it's almost like we regain balance. We plan. We're in some sort of recovery situation. We keep calm and we pause. But then the next card is the devil. So like, great. What if? What? If, what was the point? <laughs> so it's always been an interesting card for me. Oh, this is really interesting. So some of the things that I've said about it in my own notes is that I think that it's a really good card for psychic empaths and for highly sensitive people, in that it tunes into a soft and relieving frequency. So in other words, it's nurturing for people who feel like. They may be caught in the wave break in a world full of just like one crazy situation and one hot mess after another.
0: My entire fucking (laughs) life. Yes. Yes. It is completely on fire. So this would make sense that I've been pulling temperance for, you know. (laughs) months months, Uh, and months and months and then suddenly it's upside down whenever I pull it yeah
2: yeah and I wish that I read reversals you'll talk to readers and there are people that are like strictly like right if you must read reversals Mm -hmm. you have to have that part of the reading and like even from the get-go when I started reading at 13 like one of my first books was and I don't think it's like that big of a like an ooh ah book like it's not like I started with 78 Degrees of Wisdom. I started with this little pop book called, um, I think it was just called The Tarot by Nancy Shavick, And there were no reversals in there. Hmm. And And I know a lot of professional readers and a lot of people that are working with the imagery where they don't look at the upside down interpretations or that reversal reading. They just look at the card upright hmm. and they start using their intuition and making a story about how that card interacts with the other cards in the reading. But if you're just pulling one card and you're getting it reversed, it could just mean, blockage you know a separation from the energy that would flow through that card i think it's also interesting too because there is there's water at that card so you turn it upside down and almost physically you would envision you know that water spilling
1: flow yeah (laughs) Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. um yep It's also a super otherworldly card because it's almost like Temperance is engaged in an activity that you can't do on planet Earth. And I think that what's really interesting about Temperance, too, is... I'll put it this way. The hanged man. So if we're looking chronologically at the tarot, the fool to the hanged man, or technically the magician to the hanged man, because the fool card is said to be the wild card. It's all stuff that happens on planet earth. It looks like people and situations and archetypes that we might encounter just being where we are. Then all of a sudden death happens. And then look at the cards that happen after death. There's some weird situations yeah. going on, right? They don't seem so planet earthy. And right. that's one thing that happens. You kind of notice that with temperance. And I like that too, because maybe after the death card, you have your encounter with the angel. Well,
1: and it's almost like you're in the upside down after that death card.
2: Yeah, it's, or, it's, or the other world. You step into yeah. the other world. you yeah. transitioned into a space where, you know, and for hedge witches, that might be something that's really valuable to think about is like, and even look at temperance. The, the angel has one foot on land and one foot in water. So that's very hedge witchy too, right? Mm-hmm. Like where it's just one foot here and one foot in the subconscious realm. And the thing that I always liked about temperance is the angel is pouring two cups, but the water is like going on a diagonal angle. That that doesn't happen here on planet Earth. Right, <laughs> it would just so splash down.
1: <laughs> right, that's so interesting. That's fascinating. Thank yeah. you for that, Kiki. Yeah, that's so, so maybe that on. maybe yeah, that. Like, helped, there it
2: is. You know. So one of the things, and Andrea, I know that I mentioned this in in our class. I always have these like cheesy like pop <laughs> references in my head for different tarot cards to kind of just like help generate like what the interpretation of the card is and I have two for temperance one is keep calm and carry on so it's like you know like the teacup and that's kind of interesting too because it's very modern it's a very modern mantra and the other one is also very poppy it's from Seinfeld serenity now <laughs> uh-huh. so, yeah. so hopefully that that'll help in your exploration yeah, that's of that's awesome that, that oh, that's really awesome angelic transit interlude between the devil and death.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that's it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you also said that you'd found or you dug out what you thought was some really interesting symbolisms that had to do with like Catholic stuff specifically or brick stuff. Or There were some things that you were like, oh, this reminds me of what you guys are doing. Is there any of that you want to share with us? Yes,
2: totally. It's again, rabbit holes. So okay. the yes. first thing that I thought of is what is the sacredness of bricks? Why are bricks sacred? And I think that it should be said that bricks are pretty damn old. People have been creating bricks for a really long time. I think I read somewhere, you know, it was just like an online reference, but bricks have been made since 7,000 BCE. So people have been always using bricks. So this is something that's universal it's wherever you go, there are bricks, people use them everywhere. So that was like my first indicator of like, so bricks can really have this sacred symbolism. Ancient Egyptians actually made them from clay and straw, Romans used them in forts and walls and arches, an um, aqueducts. And to me, I think the Roman use of them is really interesting, because those things are pretty liminal spaces, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, forts and walls and, arches and aqueducts like wow that's really interesting so now it it could almost be like bricks can be an indicator of a boundary and crossing boundaries but they're also because you're building with them and you're creating these huge structures with them they show that you are one who is progressive you're an enlightened and intelligent individual who understands math and who understands science and who understands chemistry so for me bricks are also a symbol of civilization and shelter and protection 100 i also love to think about the color right so like i think that's really cool like the red to ancestor think about. yeah
0: red mm-hmm.
2: red 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 one and
0: interesting- they're forged in fire Yes. Oh my God. I have yeah. so much to say about that. Oh my God. <laughs> and
1: they're made from different substances.
0: <laughs> right. Earth, right.
1: Different parts of the earth, shells, rocks, depending on where you're making them at.
2: Exactly. And, um, I found this quote and it was just an article from, uh, Thought Co, but this quote about the composition of bricks over the period of firing brick clay becomes a metamorphic rock. How cool is that? Clay minerals break down, release chemically bound water, and change into a mixture of two minerals, quartz and mullite. Alchemy. Right? So like, we're, we're talking about almost like an alchemical process. So like you were saying too, like, This is a substance of the earth. Right. But then we're cooking it. So now it's also a substance of
0: fire. Right. And then you stamp hidden right on the front.
2: Yes. And I think there's a lot of power in words.
1: Right. And you build these magnificent buildings out of quartz.
2: Yeah.
0: Which holds energy.
2: Yeah. Sacred space.
0: For God's purpose to help, you know, the needy and the poor. I just got goosebumps.
2: (laughs) I think of this too, um... You know, especially because earlier we were talking about how I went through Mexico and Guatemala and Belize. The the ancient Maya painted a lot of their pyramids the color red, mm-hmm. and so that also makes the brick building a space of power. This is a PowerPoint. You're now in a PowerPoint of a metamorphic rock where you can seek shelter, but also development and progress. It's just a really fascinating thing to think about.
1: It's like
0: all encompassing. It's almost a circle. Just like the Ouroboros. Yes. Alchemy, we're back to alchemy. Yeah,
2: yeah. And and exactly. I, golly, I wish I was better at alchemy, but I know that red is an important color in the alchemical process.
0: And that's part important to the brick dust portion of and Hoodoo mm-hmm. as well. Ooh. That's that's part of what makes brick dust so protective is it's seen oh. as being a symbolization of the blood of your ancestors. Yes. And the cherry red of the hidden brick is what Mother Joseph specifically, uh, she would reject about one out of every third brick if the color wasn't right, or if it had a char mark, or she was, she drove them crazy. But all of her buildings that are still left, the color is uniform.
2: And I, I think that color is a really important symbol. I mean, it also makes me think of two things. What about blood?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and then the blood, blood of, of Christ. Christ.
1: Yeah. Sacred the
2: heart. Eucharist. Like, that's her whole yep. thing. Yeah. Hmm? So now we're talking about a heart center. Right.
0: And she built a sacred heart path right on the front of her crowning jewel building. It's in the shape of a sacred heart. Also talking about the heart chakra.
2: And somehow connected to the root, the red root, and the heart chakra.
0: I mean, this, this shit is so layered, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So layered. I'm interested if
1: Kiki would, like, pull a card for each of us and our connections.
0: I already did. You to <laughs> Mojo and me to Emily. Yeah. I'd love it to see if they'll they'll play. Okay, I now have two decks that Mojo will participate in. She will grudgingly use Katie Webb's Oracle deck that's called The Bridge. She likes that one. And nine times out of ten, she pulls a card that has a brick on it. And she will absolutely use the Mother Mary Oracle. And she will make me say three to five Hail Marys before I'll get one card. And if I finish that prayer, she'll give me a second one every time.
2: Wow. Why? I uh, I don't remember the Hail Mary.
0: <laughs> so, oh, no. yeah, no, unnecessary, but I'm like, so it'll be interesting to see She's if, panicking. if you my pronounce because she she will not talk to me in tarot cards straight tarot she won't do it i will shuffle i will stand there shuffling for 10 minutes waiting for one to pop up or fall she just won't do it
2: so there's a couple things i'm going to say first of all is that i already pulled two cards for y'all before the
0: podcast (laughs) i told you two every time she's bossy she has a lot to say i'm glad she'll let you pull for her thank you mojo but i'm gonna
2: say this is really interesting too i didn't necessarily pull them as much as they flew out
1: that's how it works yeah and that's how I do mine I wait until something flies out
2: Yeah. And I did it with a new deck that I got. This is not a new tarot deck in the world. It's actually kind of like a very retro looking deck. And
1: it came in a tin box, which I think is kind of fun too. That's awesome. It's called uh,
2: the Morgan Greer. And it's very, very much in celebration of the Rider Waite Smith. And I just wanted it because I think that it's kind of like cool looking 70s art. And I have like, I have the Aquarian Tarot. I've actually got the Aquarian Tarot tattooed on me. Like, I just love that like retro, like, 70s like people are like yeah let's like do Dianic Wicca cool let's make some <laughs> cards you know like i really love that imagery okay i pulled two cards for you guys so we've got strength what i love is that strength is all about patience and it's like reevaluating strength like um how can i be strong but in a way where i can pry open the jaws of this lion without losing my hands So it's almost like approaching things. Some people say it's the domesticating of the wild beast, but it's a card of patience. It's a card of courage. And I always say it's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's like, you know, when the world ends, just beat me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's just an empowering card. It's a card of empowerment. And the way I look at it and pulling it for you in the podcast is that it says that what you're doing is, is you're gently like very organically, prying open the paranormal world and allowing access to people of all types, different backgrounds, different beliefs coming. You're all welcome. The gates are open. And I see the jaws of this lion representing the gates of the paranormal community.
1: So I love that. The
2: lots of strength open. there. Yeah. And then this one too, which is on wheels is a go (laughs) the way I read the two of wands. And it's also interesting because there are those red roofs behind the the two of wands. It's interesting. This person can't get somewhere yet, but from where they're standing, they're holding the globe and it's like they're navigating from their tower. So it's almost like a planning phase. So if there is like a big power move that y'all want to do, like, just, just get it on paper, like, like really start to to get creative and and make really inspired big decisions. And for some reason, I'm thinking of this too, in high school, when I had to apply for college, you had to make a list of safety colleges, reach colleges, and, you know, so you had three tiers. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like what I would suggest you guys doing is creating like safe goals, you know, middle of the road goals, and like, just Fucking go to the moon, and, like come up with stuff like we're going to have like a conference in in the middle of right. a very own circle, you know, like right, 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 you know, yeah. So I love that. Yeah, it's an interesting card. It's a gate card for me too because that figure is surrounded by the two wands, so he has access to the world. He's just you know he's waiting for yep. the right.
1: And time. we have access to the world through this podcast.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and you're making connections too. So it's like, all right, well, y'all you, you know you have a place to stay in Savannah, and I know that it's going to be the same for every single person that you, you know, have on your podcast or that you and make vice a deep versa. connection. You yeah, come yeah. this way.
0: Yeah, oh, thank exactly. You.
2: No. So yeah, I just started shuffling the cards, and I was like, what do I need to pull for today's interview? And two cards came out, and what's interesting is, is they were both aces, and I pulled the Ace of Rods, which is equivalent to the Ace of Wands, and I got the Ace of Pentacles which I guess is also, you know, for some other decks, it's called the Ace of Coins. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I find interesting is, specifically, we were just talking about the elements of earth and fire being an influence in the sacredness of brick. So the wands, element of fire, the pentacles element of earth um <laughs> that's very very fascinating yes um, and the other thing i think is interesting too is specifically with this card there is a big red rose on it yeah and these are actually the flowers that are also shown in the garden with the magician i also am really obsessed with gates and arches in tarot i think i should say this as well um I really just work with the Rider-Waite-Smith, especially when I'm doing like the analytical symbolism. So somebody who uses a different deck might be like, well, I don't see that in my deck. That's okay. I want you to look for the symbols that are important to you in the deck you use. But uh, the reason I love the Rider-Waite-Smith so much is that Pamela Coleman-Smith knew her shit. Like this was not just like somebody that she hired or somebody that was hired that was like, cool. Yeah, sure. I could sketch some stuff up for you. Like she was deeply involved in uh, the esoteric traditions of the time. Um, A.E. Waite was in the Order of the Golden Dawn. They were so invested in symbolism and sacred symbolism and sacred geometry And magic that i don't think that anything that she drew into the deck was arbitrary right so that's why i stick with that so anyways the ace of pentacles has this big arch and beyond the arch is often depicted a mountain and i always loved that picture and you know me being on on the east coast i look at that as like the beginning of the um the appalachian trail like i always equate these cards but to um, where you're
1: located
2: yeah and you know and yeah. i think that that's an interesting exercise that you guys might want to try too is to go out to those locations and say like do a found tarot project you know like what happens when i'm in when i'm sitting on this pew what card does this remind me of or when I'm looking at this specific series of bricks, what does it remind me of? What cards remind me of the word hidden? Because that might, that might be a way to use the cards. Maybe not just like, you know, pulling cards to talk with Mojo, but to also just have a conversation with the building itself.
1: Well, and Sarah did pull cards in Mojo's chapel. In the academy, yeah. Yeah. And
0: that was really interesting.
2: Ooh, really? Yeah
0: yeah uh, I got footsteps. <laughs> Someone was up in the balcony. like i I felt like I was in trouble in church for screwing off in church. yeah, <laughs> you weren't paying so, attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like literally that's that was the first time I was in the building. Um, I've tried to pull cards on the picnic table sitting outside. she doesn't She just doesn't like me to pull cards at the academy. and there are so many arches at that, of course, at that academy. Just yesterday, there's a photo of me. I, I stood there and made my spouse take a picture of me because I thought it was funny. There was an arch. There's this old stone ruin. You you hike into a park in Portland, Oregon. It's called Forest Park for a little ways. And um, you get to this old stone ruin. It's, it's a stone house, but they call it the Witch's Castle. It's linked to an old grizzly murderer. And it's supposed to be haunted, all this crap, whatever. It's all graffitied and falling over. Anyway, so this was the furthest hike that I've been able to take since before my back surgery. I hadn't been able to hike in this far or this kind of terrain or anything before. So it was really a kind of a big deal. About halfway down, about a mile in, I just I remembered I was like, I have to go uphill to get out of here and was like, oh God, what did I do? And then I finally got to the ruin and I was super stoked. I was like, screw it, you made it. And I stood in an archway. And I stood there because somebody had defeated the word fuck. right on the edge and I was like I've been summoned right so my potty mouth went stood there right under that arch and the minute he pulled that card with the arch I was like that was me yesterday at the witch's house going on an adventure scared to go hike through the woods I was under that arch and there wasn't a mountain there that I could see but there's a mountain you know 30 minutes down the road And you're wearing a red shirt.
2: I think that's important, too, because one of the things I was thinking about, too, in addition to pulling these cards for y'all, was I thought, well, red is such a significant color. Because I will talk to you. Finding bricks in tarot is maybe not that easy. I have one card I definitely want to deep dive with you about that, but the color red and uh, a couple other indicators of maybe like buildings and structures can be very important. I think that red robes are really important because we're gonna go back to that Mm. idea of red symbolism. And there's one person in particular that I equate with Mojo, Justice.
0: Justice, interesting.
2: Yeah, and and maybe, maybe you guys found different cards that you would equate, but I like Justice. Maybe people would say the arrow font, I don't know if I even. Oh, here's the arrow font. The arrow yeah, font also has red. Yeah, I always
0: kind of thought Harrow font, but I also have gotten a huge chariot vibes from her.
2: Ooh, that's good too. That makes sense to me. It could be a she, combo of all.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. like she just makes shit happen.
2: I I guess that my reasoning for picking justice is that justice appears without a blindfold on, oh. so justice sees everything.
0: I like that. So justice is no longer blind.
2: Right. And just and the the interesting thing about justice too is that it's the card before the hanged man. And so like now we're kind of going into this interesting symbolism. Like and I'm gonna go chronologically, the wheel of fortune comes before at least in the Rider Wade Smith I'll say, because there are some where the chariot and justice are not the chariot, strength and justice are Flip flopped, but the wheel of fortune is card number 10. And you have lots of luck. It's almost like you have luck on your side. You could get away with stuff. You could do things. You're going to be fine. You know, just go with the flow. You get to the justice card, and all of a sudden, that luck that maybe you had or those opportunities kind of come to a halt, and you can't get any bullshit past justice. Justice sees everything. There are no secrets. And in some ways, too, I think of, I, when I look at the scales in this card, it makes me think of almost like the Egyptian Book of the Dead with the weighing of the feathers, because then the next step after justice is the hanged man. So justice is your first stop before going into the initiation. You confront justice and you find out the truth. You're told things very frankly and very directly. With the justice card, and so it, I also love it too. Justice is very committed to um, their temple, to their people. It's it's a card of community service, right? Because justice also means to like I need to make sure everybody is fairly treated and equally treated, and if anything's out of balance, well, I'm gonna know. And <laughs> uh oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly the way Mojo was. Right. Yep. Uh-oh, and I, Mojo's and I, coming.
2: <laughs> and I think of it as like a toll gate on the way to that initiation card, which is the Hanged Man, which I know is a very, very popular card. I end up talking about the Hanged Man a lot. But I also think it's interesting, too, through Justice, all of a sudden you get this halo on the Hanged Man. So that implies either mm. what, ascension or sainthood, right? So I think that's interesting. And and then people say it's St. Peter.
0: That hangman always catches my attention too. Steph Quick, who is also going to be appearing shortly on the podcast as part of this amazing lineup. And I both have, and Andrea too, but Steph and I specifically both have similar leg pain in our left leg. And we both sleep with one leg tucked up underneath like that. I just had left foot surgery. Yeah, Tons of us have left leg problems or left side of our body problems. Like it's a whole thing, left side. Anyway... She and I sit and sleep like that to try to, you know, give some room to our leg. And we were giggling one day about she was like, this is this is just how I sit. I can't believe this. And I was like, I sit like that, too. And so every time I pull that card, I think of me and Steph, because that's just how we when we go to bed, we lay down. And so that card has become like a symbol for her in my life, just because it's like, oh, this is the Steph card. Where, you know, like, how many people have been like, I don't want to be the hangman. But, you know, I talk to Stephanie a lot. And that's just one of those weird symbols that, yeah, and she's given me two or three, what I would call synchronicity nuggets that were bombs recently about this stuff that's occurring with me. And so, yeah, hangman, again, it's the symbols sometimes more than the card can be like, oh, I just saw that. And you know, that's like the synchronicity versus maybe the meaning of the card sometimes when I think I pull cards.
2: I love that. I think that, yeah, I love the repetition of patterns and I love it when we find a personal connection to those cards. And that seems so (laughs) important to be able to go, well, this reminds me of this situation. So, you know, when it shows up to, it's almost like you automatically go like, okay, well, it appeared this time, this time, this time, and this was the result, and this is who I equate it with. It's coming up again. Buckle up. Mm,
0: right? Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Hanged Man is just a really fascinating card. Rachel Pollack says that the tree that the Hanged Man hangs from is uh, the bottom of an onk. Oh,
0: <laughs> shut up. Uh, there's a buckle of Isis, a.k.a. an Ankh, which they also are, you know, calling the Mark of Divine Providence that's made out of sandstone right in front of the front door on the Alvacore of the Providence Academy.
2: Yeah, that was a symbol that caught my eye, so I found a little more information about that one, too. Yeah. (laughs) That's That's an interesting one. Yeah, so, so the buckle of Isis is also known as the girdle of Isis, and sometimes even the blood of Isis. People, people have actually said, so this is a little bit interesting they have said that it may be related to the shape of a sanitary product that women would have used when they were menstruating. Mm-hmm. So it has that that sense of blood. And I love that it's connected to the hyper feminine, you know, uh, goddess mm-hmm. Isis. It appears in the Book of Dead. So it's in the Book of the Dead. And it's considered to be an amulet to protect the mummy. The mummy. Yeah. So, so basically... <laughs> okay. So, The blood of Isis, the spells of Isis, the words of Isis keep the great one strong.
0: Anything about about Shrek in there? Just checking. Just checking. (laughs) Because I've managed to curse the entire world, including Greg Newkirk and Katie Webb with Shrek now.
2: Uh, i i don't i don't see shrek but i will let you know i swear uh, (laughs) i'm going to probably watch what happens i'll go to egypt and i'll send you a picture i'll be like fucking shrek Shrek.
0: (laughs) i I swear to god i get minimum three messages a day usually from taylor blue box ufo sarah what the fuck i'm like i'm I'm sorry
1: (laughs) one day she got the same message from three of us
0: the same message you know, referencing the same picture. You know what the picture was, listeners? It was a Shrek fleshlight.
2: Oh, my God.
0: Horrifying.
2: Why? Who thought of that? And just to think somebody had rough drafts that they turned down. Yeah.
0: Somebody was like, you know what? <laughs> I want to stick my dick in Shrek's ear. Let's make it happen. <laughs> that is so wrong. What the fuck is wrong with but you we people? All, and we all sent it to Sarah.
1: <laughs> of course. Three times. Everyone's like, oh, Sarah. Ping, ping, ping. I sent it to her, she's like, I've seen this. You're the third person to send this to me. Thanks so much. It's now burned in my memory.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's that's interesting.
0: Maybe that'll be in a tarot deck 200 years from now. It'll be bricks and Shrek. We need to make our own Shrek tarot cards. Oh my God. I don't even know what would happen if that occurred. What would what would happen to the timeline? I,
2: I, I always think too, like some archeologist <laughs> in like a thousand years is going to like unearth a Shrek flashlight and be like, ah, the sacred magical wand of the ancient peoples.
0: <laughs> well, I Shrek cursed myself yesterday cause I went to Portland and they had a Salvation Army. Like, the, no, it was Valley Village, my bad. Big, like, you know, they don't have Valley Village. Like, the, all the big thrift stores over here in, in Vancouver closed. We just have stupid Goodwill. So I was like, we're wild and we're wild. And I'm looking at every aisle in that store. I, I bought a cursed doll, like all this stuff. Well, I found a Shrek DVD. And one of the things that Janice Click from episode 9 and 10 likes to do is he told me once, he's like, Sarah, if you ever find a Shrek DVD in the thrift store, there's... In all honesty, at least a 40% chance, I don't care where you are in the United States, that the DVD that's in there that looks like it's Shrek is not Shrek. It's a prank that looks like Shrek. So what he does is he gets cases, DVD cases, VHS cases, and then puts his horrible curse movies inside them and then redonates them to, you know, prank somebody. So I'm always on the lookout for, you know, garage sales like Shrek now to spread the curse. So I bought what I thought was a DVD of Shrek 1 yesterday. And And I opened it up real quick to make sure there's a movie inside, so I thought. And it said Shrek 3. So I thought, oh, well, there's really Shrek 3 in here instead of Shrek 1, but I don't really fucking care because it's just going to be a curse movie anyway. I put it in the card and I bought it. Well, I got home and tried to, you know, play the movie, and it's the Shrek 3 soundtrack. I got the soundtrack to hell. (laughs) Actual hell. I got, I played myself trying to play somebody else doing a Shrek prank. There you go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna roll into work tomorrow morning blasting Shrek three just to see what the fuck happens. Why I not?
2: <laughs> speechless.
0: Are, are there speechless. like
2: what happens if you play it backwards really slowly? <laughs>
0: I'm about to find out, Kiki. I'll report back. We could put it we could put subliminal Shrek three soundtrack messages in this podcast in the background you'd never know.
2: Wow. Oh, my God. That is too funny.
0: not only besides being a tarot wizard, you are an author. You're an (laughs) amazing author. You have an awesome blog. We're going to link it in the show notes. Oh, thank you. But you you. have some published books, and you have another one coming out soon in July. Or I think it's an update or a republished version of one from before. Yeah. Tell us. Tell
2: us. Yeah. yeah, Well, thank you. And I should probably post – I really want to – I started writing a blog post on the Moon-Eyed people in North Georgia, and I should probably pop that up there. So – yeah I'm already
0: interested yeah it's pretty Mm -hmm. cool
2: the thing is I self-published a couple books a few years ago maybe not even a few years ago ish I don't know three four maybe five years ago and they were good and it was such a birthing process for me but they were self-published and so for me I really want to revisit them and polish them and you know up and upgrade the information and so that's what i did with the book that's coming out in july a curious future this is the second edition to what was originally a self-published project of love it was me just really loving divination and wanting people to have the opportunity to look at different ways that they can communicate with divinity however you define that and um since then, the book has doubled in size. Nice. Wow. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> awesome.
2: It was a petite book when it was self published. And so now it's pretty impressive. And it, it really goes over different ways to enhance your psychic. Abilities. It, we talked about automatic writing. It goes over that. It goes over psychometry. Which your friend Janet mm-hmm. came on and talked about. If you want to work with pendulums, so like say you go to those sites mm. and you want to have dowsing rods or pendulums, that might be a, a thing. And even like a very tiny taster into the big, the bigger forms of divination, astrology, and tarot and whatnot. That's in the book too, but um, that's coming out in July. And after that, this big uh, notebook that weighs a ton. And is full of information on tarot. I think I'm gonna start on that. Um, oh, just, awesome. You know, and really have like a geeky but approachable book on kind of the stuff I explored on tarot.
0: Oh, I'm so <laughs> excited about yeah. both of those projects.
2: Oh, <laughs> my faster <laughs>
0: geeky. Geeky and
1: approachable. I love that. Wow. What about? So, are you having, um, do you have any upcoming appearances? anybody
2: should know about? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, there's a couple. So one thing I will say is that if you ever want to sit and learn tarot with me, and even if y'all come on and, and we could pull more cards and we can, and actually offline, I can share with you a couple spreads that, um, might be worth bringing. And so that kind of stuff, folks can, you know, interact with me on that level when they come to the the biweekly classes. So my friend Joy and I teach classes and Joy and I are totally different, but we love each other, but she has a very different approach to Tarot where she's Mm -hmm. like very customer service related. And I'm more just like the, the, you know, like I'm going to hold you accountable and you need to study. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, I can see that i could see that yeah 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 Definitely. but
2: but we're both very friendly and excited about oh, that yeah. so so that's online that's virtual um but then i'm going to be at pagan unity festival in tennessee in june and i'm actually really excited they're letting me do like a spooky campfire session for one oh, of my classes so, so we're gonna talk about the spooky shit that happens in like kentucky and tennessee awesome. and georgia
1: Amazing. so it's
2: also going to tie into that liminal earth stuff um, um as excellent. well where i'm going to tell them like hey you know map out your own weird stuff like let's do it together yeah um, and then i'm going to be at the strange realities conference in uh nashville again uh in october
1: awesome that sounds like so much fun yeah i want to come to your ghost fire Oh, Aww. gosh. I know.
0: That'd that be awesome. So Next fun. year. Next yeah. year, we'll go see Kiki. We'll, yeah. go, we'll
1: go make it happen. We're not Yay. joking. We are going no. to have witches on wheels. and We're going to make it happen.
2: Oh my god, yep. I love it! And, travel. Yeah, please, and and I think that the Pagan Unity Festival that's virtual too, so y'all could tune in. Oh hell and yeah! Watch, you won't be able to eat vegan s'mores with me, but <laughs> that's well, all good. We, we
1: can make our s'mores here, and yes, we'll Heck yeah, yeah, we'll eat together.
0: Yes, we'll Heck all, yeah, we'll we'll stack oh, virtually. So fun. <laughs> yes. What's the best way for all of our listeners to connect with you, Kiki? We'll put it all in the show notes.
2: If you want to connect with me on social media. The best place to find me in the place where I'm most active, which is saying a lot because I'm not very social media savvy, but you can find me on Twitter, which is where we all got in touch and where we all right, got yep. to know each other. Um, and so my, my name on Twitter is Kiki D333.
0: Awesome.
2: Yeah. And so that's a good way. Or you could, if you just want to like find me elsewhere, get a tarot reading, find my links, whatever you need, go to my website. That's KikiDombrowski.com. And that's where my blog is too. So yeah, that's, your
0: blog, that's, that's, that's a good right.
2: way to, to to find me, awesome.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share or talk about, or do you want to tell us our future?
2: I'm going to tell you the story about one of my favorite cards, and I think it's important because I really truly think it's one of the few cards in the Rider Waite Smith that shows brick, or at least, it, do you see it's not necessarily red brick, but this also takes it, it's a cathedral, so maybe it's stone. But to me, I still found it to be really relevant. And I also found it to be relevant too, because when I was writing
0: about- That's the three of pentacles for listeners.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I would love it, you know, like look at your three of pentacles and see how it appears there. Like what building are they in? And so in the traditional Rider-Waite-Smith, they say that this card is in a cathedral. And like I said too, with Pixie, who's Pamela Coleman-Smith, She's not arbitrary. She doesn't put stuff in a card that is just pretty. And so you see the trinity of the stars. I think that's really important. Uh, there's the little sun symbols that are there. There's the fleur-de-lis. And what I think is really interesting wow. too is it, I love this because it's church related, right? Pretty and pent- so table. that's that's where I thought this was really valuable to the story that that y'all are are doing. So I probably took a really dorky deep dive into this and this is where people are more than happy to agree disagree say it's stupid say it's really interesting but you know most people traditionally when they look at this card they say okay so here is an architect and he's you know having a conversation with these two people about building this cathedral the thing that i find interesting is is that the guy on the pew has an apron on and it automatically made me think of like the
0: freemason apron masons right the masons call um god the great architect yeah yeah,
2: so I thought that was really interesting. Then you see these arches, and there's always a keystone with Freemasons. Look at that, the three. There it is. And doesn't that remind you of a certain symbol that you saw?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. doesn't sure does. that
2: look like a symbol? Possibly, maybe mm-hmm. an indicator. I mean, it kind of looks like that that buckle to me. So I think that's wow. really fascinating. But the other thing too is you have a monk. And I really like this monk, but if you look really closely, he's got on knight shoes. They're called
1: babatons. And I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm sorry. That is so interesting. If
2: you look like very, very, very closely, it's like, you know, when you think of a knight in shining armor, Yeah. is he a Templar knight, a knight of Templar? Was he coming from the Crusades? Like, what is he doing?
0: So let me tell you about this amulet that I'm wearing that Mortalis from a Crow and the Dead made me with the help of my dead father. I'm not gonna unpack all of its symbolism because we'll do that on her episode. But one of the things that she dropped with me after she was done was she made every link in this chain herself with my father's help. Oh my God. And the reason was it needed to be and she said his word was chainmail.
2: Holy shit. So <laughs> knights
0: are a whole thing that has been activated for me. Yeah.
2: The next interesting thing is is this figure in this very curious ensemble traditionally said to be a an artist this is somebody who's in the clothes of somebody who's not uh, you know in in professional industry this is an artist I look at it as like a mysterious magical figure this is somebody who's in an outfit that is exotic this is not like a mage or
0: something this is
2: somebody that's not from this neighborhood Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is not the cloth that you go buy down at H&M right right This is somebody who's different and they're made to stand out. And Pamela Coleman-Smith worked with the stage for a long time and did set and costume design. So she knew the value of making people's characters known by what they're wearing. Yeah. They're holding something. So this is somebody who's from a different place. They're holding something that's covered, hidden by a blanket of some kind or a veil. And this scene takes place in the middle of what looks like the night. It's dark. So it's almost like this secret interaction. It's a
1: clandestine meeting. This
2: hidden meeting that's taking place under the arches of a cathedral with incredibly sacred people and whatever may be under that veil. And I'm sure that there are other tarot listeners, they might want to say, you know, this is what's hidden under there. And, and I'd love to hear that. Or maybe that's up for the reader to interpret.
0: I um, think that's probably it.
2: Yeah. And, and maybe there's actually a book that says it too.
0: If you think of this too, from a spiritual perspective and, and the spiritualism and the whole, like, if you just think of it from the whole dark night of the soul sort of aspect, which is truly sort of what the last year has been for me, honestly. The fact that that meeting is occurring in the middle of the night is not an accident on that card either, right? Like, it's all tracking.
1: If you also think about the building in Vancouver, there are tunnels that run from the hospital or what was the hospital Yeah, underneath. back to the academy.
2: And that's what it looks like. I'm sure that other readers can debate and say, well, we don't know if it takes place at night. It's dark in there. It's dark in there. That's not taking place in a well lit sunny area that's in Uh either a corner or maybe it is is it underground is it Uh in a tunnel is it taking place at night look at the other cards like even this poor lady on the eight of swords she's bright she's out (laughs) in the open Mm -hmm. like Uh we know what's happening but this i mean like there's very few cards that have so much black ink on them
0: the other thing is too the hooded figure it's a man, but there could be an argument that maybe it's, it's not. Exactly.
2: I think it looks very it could be much a like gender a non- neutral. I 100% agree with you as, yeah. And that's actually a very good point that you bring up because I used the pronouns she, when I referred to that figure, um, in the unusual robe and that was like my intuitive response. But then when I went and read a book, it was like three men stand together and I was like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? But then that makes me automatically down the rabbit hole. Let's think of the last supper. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's that one clandestine fact, you know, and I know that's very Da Vinci code, but like, you know.
1: And if you want to get even like randomly weirder.
2: Which I do. (laughs) Always.
1: Sarah took a picture in the thrift store yesterday in front of a painting of The Last Supper. Oof. I mean.
0: Yeah. I've been joking. Um, My life is a Da Vinci code movie for weeks. I love the Da Vinci code. I repainted a a couple of plates of The Last Supper to look like aliens. But I'm out of the, the religious blasphemy repaints now. And I'm just trying to do Shrek repaints instead to amuse myself. Because I don't <laughs> think she liked my Mother Mary repaints, turning them into zombies and things. So I'm reformed. Oh. Sort of.
2: <laughs> the other, one other interesting thing that you just made me think about too, the triple three in here. So here's three marked. Trinity. trinity here and three figures. Yeah. Father to son and a holy donut. Yep. <laughs> so, so I thought that that was a really valuable card to consider. That's fascinating. Yeah, that
1: is that really is fascinating. You know,
2: and the other thing I would love help with if y'all want to do this, if other readers want to do this, there in the Rider-Waite-Smith, there are so many cards that in the background there are buildings that have red roofs. So I need help figuring out what that means. Like there must be some sort of historical context to what the red roof means, but like, you could pull up like, Oh, okay. So here's the King of Pentacles who (laughs) I think I have some ideas on who the green man is in the tarot deck. Um, (laughs) But if you look in the background, there's like these buildings and it happens in a lot of them. Yeah. Like even, well, here's one, here's the two of wands. He's on the top of a building. It looks like a castle. And look at here. It always
1: reminds me of like Florence, yeah. Italy. I don't, you know, with the squared roofs and off in the distance. I don't know.
0: It reminds me because when I was a little kid, I'm just doing a Google right now because when I was a little kid, we we traveled all the time and stayed in a lot of hotels. And there's a mm-hmm. hotel chain called the Red Roof Inn. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. And now I'm like, okay, what's up with red roofs? Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. In the background of that one, too. Even in the
2: chariot, it's in the background. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Chariot again. Okay, it's a Basque thing. The red roof? Yeah. So we're Hmm. back to John Mark on the Occult Confessional. Oh,
2: Whenever I see them in cards, I call them the town cards, right? Like these are, these are cards that are taking place that show people that live in a very well-established town with boundaries that's secure, that's safe, that's pretty. It's like a nice upscale neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But because like I did with the three of pentacles or anybody could do, can we do a deep dive on that? Especially with what, Mm -hmm. with what y'all are doing, because there might be something bigger. Montreal. Right. Oh,
0: well, I'm reading this. I just did a Google on on it, and there's a whole thing about red clay roof tiles, which, by the way, there are red clay roof tiles on the hidden house in mm-hmm. Vancouver, which we looked at. And it talks about basically how the red ones are the ones that people like the most, and they were the most expensive because they're the ones that have to be closest to the fire. And therefore, the fewer of them survive the fire, so they're more valuable because everybody likes the darker color. Oh. But that red clay tiles have been historically locally sourced including italian spanish and french products and were typically glazed and if they weren't glazed it would they sort of fell out of repair because they were porous and weren't great at keeping the water out Hmm, pretty impractical they were cheaply made out of local materials this basically was the reason for it so and thinking about back to red roof inn that was you know it wasn't like quite a motel six type of budget hotel but it's a budget Hotel. So yeah. apparently, red roof means, you know, a decent, cheaply made place that will give you shelter.
2: Huh. See, that's perfect.
0: The, so it's clearly, red roofs uh, do have some sort of symbolism there. So I'm curious to see what
2: and, and our she- listeners. Yeah, like, why did she pick to make the buildings have these pretty red roofs? And then, you know, most of the, and and there are some that don't look that way. Actually, the Ten of Pentacles, which is another favorite card of mine, and, uh, the Six of Cups, they have buildings that don't really have those colors in it. And there's tons of pillars and even the Tower card, they kind of look concrete or stone, but it's in the background. But I always say too that She didn't put anything arbitrary in. Why did she go for that? Is it pretty? Is it something that she learned when she was in art school? Is it something- Well, where is she she from? Jamaica, but she also was in New York a lot and she also was in London. So she was a New Yorker and a Londoner, good girl. Was she
0: a woman of color or was she a white woman?
2: She was a woman of color. I think that she was a mixed, okay. parents of different backgrounds.
0: Because that's a whole thing too. Um, we did a deep dive on, it's believe it or not, on the synchronicity in Nundal on breakmojo.net. Because um, digging out the history of nursing, what I discovered was not only Florence Nightingale was basically a racist secret hater, She um, discounted the work of a woman named Mary Seacole, who was a famous Jamaican doctress. And her mother was also a famous Jamaican doctress. And Mother Joseph learned from some of their students on their way out to Oregon. So there is a synchronistic link to Jamaica and Jamaican healers, Jamaican medicine and women of color to this story, which is why... I asked that question because I didn't know about her background. Yeah. Mother Joseph, it was really interesting. I read in those old, I always talk about the old ass nun books, the very first people of color that any of the nuns ever saw was coming out to Vancouver. And Mother Joseph talked about being struck by the beauty of the dark women and how they carried the items on their heads and the dignity that they had. as as, she was fascinated by them
2: oh my god it was believed that her mother was from brooklyn corinne coleman smith but may have been of jamaican descent so amazing
0: jamaica just all these links in this web
2: she was such an eccentric, triple Aquarius power. Amazing. <laughs> I'm I am love it.
0: researcher. I am, I know yeah. nothing about her. I clearly need to fix that. She sounds like she was an amazing yeah. person.
2: We need to speak her name more. She's just one of those yeah. people that has impacted so many people and just never got the, she, she got she, no money for this.
1: Yeah. She's she, amazing. She, she got no acclaim and, you know, going back to mansplaining, she was just sort of, pushed aside and the glory was taken from her.
2: Yeah, and all the essays that were done about tarot were done by dudes afterwards, you know? Yeah, I mean, exactly directly after, I mean, obviously there were people and, and you know, women become a very powerful part of the occult, but, you know, when I think of, like I have this book with essays by, you know, by people who are really important, but it's men so thankfully go into the future a little bit more all of a sudden we have mary kay greers and rachel pollux and and all sorts of people who are giving voices from different perspectives rachel true is another mm-hmm. a, another one and she i think she created her mm-hmm. own deck the true the true tarot true heart tarot you know so so there are people that are coming out and saying listen this isn't the only perspective you know like yeah. and and people are, are are giving a voice back to to pixie and i think that's so special
1: i mean the female perspective is ancient i mean where does life come from right does it come f- you know where where does life come from it comes from a woman
2: and we circle back to the goddess isis yes exactly <laughs> and and her blood that's it <laughs> pretty amazing yep. stuff oh, so incredible the power wow. symbol
1: Ooh, yes. i've had goosebumps Thank this you. whole time oh, oh so i just feel like Braw. so
0: good <laughs> say her name for say her name loud and strong one more time for our listeners kiki
2: uh pamela coleman smith she is
0: coleman smith
2: yes she is the illustrator of the rider weight deck a lot of people call it the rider weight smith i have a version of the deck that's actually called the smith weight centennial so they they pop her in position one awesome
0: Well, thank you, Kiki, for everything and for teaching us all, breaking all this amazing knowledge down and for bringing a light to the wonderful person that was Pamela Coleman Smith that tons of us don't know about as much as we need to know. And that's the entire purpose of this podcast. So, yes, Yes. thank you.
2: It has been so much fun talking to you both. Like, I just, I I just can't wait until we meet in person and I could hug you both. Uh,
0: (laughs) You're welcome back anytime. Yes. (laughs) After your trip to Egypt,
2: come
1: yes.
0: back.
1: Oh my God, <laughs>
2: tell
0: us all about it. Yeah, Amazing. I'll
2: I'll have those downloads for you. Yeah, and yes. maybe some yeah. brick. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, thank you. Next episode, we're going to talk with Maitland Kelly. your listeners are going to recognize their name from that, so that's exciting. Hellier, yes, Woo. they're going to bring us some of their weird astrology and what they have also uncovered about our favorite nun.
1: Yes. Can't wait! Thanks for joining us and remember, take care of yourself.
0: And don't be an asshole.
1: Find eyes within. Look for the door into the unknown country.